Well, welcome to Round the Table Live with Christian Sir. I'm Tim Diep. And today we are talking about is Christian sexual morality unloving? Uh, great question. And uh, it's prompted by uh, a new initiative called the Greater Love Declaration uh, that came out this week. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Reverend Dr. Matthew Roberts, Minister of Trinity Church in York. Matthew, welcome. Thank you, Tim. Great pleasure to be with you. And Matthew, you are one of the co-authors of this new declaration, is that right? The Greater Love Declaration. Yeah, that's right. We've got a, a group of, um, of ministers and uh, people in pastoral work from across quite a number of different denominations um, who've sort of come together to make a really clear statement of not only what Christian sexual ethics is, but also why it's genuinely really good. Fantastic. And the website for those, um, if, you, if you want to look at it, take a look at it, read it, www.greaterlove.com org.uk. I'm sure we can put a link in the in the various chat things there. And if you've got questions for Matthew, um, do and you're watching us live, do put them in the comments um, on YouTube or Facebook. We can see that, and we will try and get to those comments and respond to them. So, Matthew, um, why did you um, and you, know, you plural, you know, in that sense, um, put together this declaration? What prompted it? Well, I suppose that the the thing that originally prompted it was the um, the awareness that there seems to be a, a really growing cultural assumption that there's just something inherently bad about Christian teaching on these things. And um, that, that was shown very clearly, I think, in the uh, the government's proposal for uh, banning what they call conversion therapy, which uh, came out last autumn, nearly a year ago, at which point uh, a similar group, uh, many of the same authors, wrote a letter to the government uh, basically pointing out that the the things they were proposing would effectively make it illegal to teach the Christian doctrine of marriage. Um, but underneath that is this sort of... So this, you were one of the... Let's just go back to that then, yeah. since you mentioned now. So there was a um, open letter, wasn't there, from yeah. uh, Christian pastors to the government in response to the consultation on conversion therapy, I think it was. Um, yeah. It was written to the then Minister of Equalities, which happened to be Liz Truss, as it was, um, right. at that point. Um, and I think you got an, an astonishing sort of unprecedented, I think, two and a half thousand Christian pastors and ministers signing this letter um, saying that um, if you outlaw what you're calling conversion therapy, um, this could outlaw Christian ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Just normal Christian ministry that just urges people to live in the way that Christ has called us to um, and the way that Christ has set us free to do so. Uh, yeah, could it could definitely have become illegal and. Uh, that that was obviously a pretty big concern. So yeah, hence we wrote the letter. And these these two and a half thousand pastors said in the letter, um, even if you go ahead with that, which we hope and pray you won't, we'll continue to break God anyway. Which is yeah, that's right. On, because yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, we're you know we're ordained ministers of the gospel. We um, you know, God has called us to to proclaim Christ, and uh, we're not going to stop doing that, even if the government stands against us. But we obviously hope very mm. much that won't be the case. And, um, yeah, we, we still don't know what the long-term outcome of uh, of that letter will be, but um, w whatever happens with that legislation, which may or may not yet come forwards in. Uh, well, I think we're still waiting for the government response yeah. to the consultation on that, actually, I think, and that could come out at any point as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, so so there's that, but that also, of course, as you will know, Matthew, that there was a, um, a um, report commissioned by the Scottish government um, on conversion therapy proposals which has some really draconian proposals of how to criminalise conversion therapy, which would actually criminalise conversation and prayer, possibly reading the Bible um, yeah. and, and preaching and so on. 
um, yeah. probably the worst legislation in the world on that on that front. And that's a proposal yeah, yeah. from an independent group. It's not actually parliamentary proposal at this point, but it's still very concerning, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that lies at the heart of that is this um, that this assumption that there is something inherently harmful yeah. about teaching people Christian sexual ethics, which primarily means teaching them about marriage and what it means to be male and female and those things. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and it's very interesting that the the, the reporters chastity as well, isn't it? Chastity. Absolutely, right. yeah. The whole Christian concept of chastity, which uh, which means uh, restraining our sexual desires to uh, in in order to live in the way that God calls us to, and the way that is loving to other people, which means abstinence outside of the marriage of one man and one woman, and faithfulness within it. I mean, Christianity has always taught that. Yes. Um, that that particular teaching has been uh, has been identified as being something which which wants to be apparently they want to ban. And it's very interesting that the Scottish proposal has has dropped the word therapy. Actually, it's um, oh yes, rather it than calling yeah. it conversion therapy it's just calling it conversion practices which is an extraordinary thing really because i mean all of christian ministry is a conversion practice <laughs> we're about oh, yeah. trying to convert people to christ yes um, uh, of course that's what we're all about but the, the there's something sort of profoundly going on in there that that this legislation is really a symptom of which is that in response to i guess decades really of, of propaganda that the, the idea has taken hold that um by teaching people that that uh, that there are circumstances when we should not do what we want sexually, that somehow we're harming them. Um, yes. And that, that is incredibly false. I mean, it's just nonsense and in, in really obvious nonsense. Um, and yet that seems to be a premise. It's very interesting. When we spoke, we, we met with some government officials last year to talk about the proposals. And one of the things that was said was, um, uh, was you know, children are very vulnerable. They need to be protected from being given these ideas. And our response to that is, yeah, children are very vulnerable. Absolutely, they are. And what Christian ministry to children is about when we're talking about sexual things is all about protecting them from harm. Yes. And yet the, the way that the uh, the whole issue has now been presented and the language that's given and the, and the, the underlying concepts that are driving uh, sexual ethics in our country now uh, are so skewed and so upside down that the things which are very best for children have now been conceived as being genuinely harmful to them. So yeah, that's all the background. Therefore, what we thought, well, what we need to do is to uh, is to write something that clearly, succinctly, positively shows why Christian teaching is just good, and that's what we've done. Yes. So, so tell us about that. What are the what are the key messages um, in this declaration that you've put out? Yeah. So, well, the, the, hopefully, the title of the declaration is. Uh, it sums that up pretty well. It's called the Greater Love Declaration because of yes. Jesus' uh, Jesus's words, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, that, that of course, is Jesus ultimately describing himself, uh, yeah. that he is the one who showed the greatest love of all in laying down his life in order to save us. But as the church has always known that that basic ethic, that the way that we live is not to try and fulfill our desires, but to uh, but to instead surrender ourselves and sacrifice ourselves for the good of others. Yeah. Uh, of course, most of all, for the glory uh, of God is is underlies everything. It underlies every, we do that in everything. But that's, that's how we treat our money. That's how we that's why we care for the poor. That's why we. Uh, uh, we, why we're, we're concerned for those who are needy and oppressed. Absolutely, that's what we do. But yes. when, when Christians talk about family and marriage and, and all the, the, the 
Christian understanding of how sex is supposed to work. It's just the same thing. It's saying we, we don't set out to satisfy our desires. We, yeah. we set out to basically surrender them in order to work for the good of others. And that's what chastity, marriage and singleness, uh, yes. is all about. Saying, I'm not going to do what I want sexually. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to, yes. I'm going to surrender it. Yes, I mean, Heather Scammell, who's watching um, um, on YouTube, has a comment here um, saying, flip this on its head. How could it be loving to affirm practices that run counter to our creator's purpose and therefore do us harm? Of course, that's right. And and because the, the irony is, we all know that that is true in all sorts of ways. Is it, is it loving to children to say, oh, you really want to do drugs? So obviously, yes, you should do. You should do exactly what you want to do. Um, or it, yeah. is it loving to children to say, you know, you, you really want to bully the other kid in the playground? So obviously, you know, because we love you, we're going to let you do that. Like, yeah. No, of course it's not. It's never loving to say those kind of things. Yes. Um, to be loving to people is all about saying, I may want to do this, but I'm not going to do it because I'm concerned for concern for you. Um, yeah. And so what, when when Christians, as they have always done, say that Christians should should not follow their sexual desires, we know they're corrupted and spoiled by sin. We should yeah. uh, we should either deny them completely or constrain them within the the, the, the limits of marriage as God designed us. Um, yes. That's how we're loving. And of course, the glory is is that because God made us that way, actually, that is what is best for us and for everyone else. Yes. And how do we get to this point then? Because just, you know, not very many decades ago, the teaching in schools would have been chastity, right? You know, yeah. and, and sex is for marriage kind of thing. And then suddenly it's like, that's bad teaching and the good teaching is promiscuity. I mean, yeah. I mean, how does how does that, and, you know, and, and the, the teaching they give to my children in their school is, is, you know, consent is the only moral guidance. As long as you've got yeah. consent, do whatever you want. Um, how does it come about? That's a very long story as to kind of what's happened to Western culture, isn't it? But uh, yes. I think it's a combination of things. I mean, there's a bit of Freud in there. It's Freud who sort of taught this idea that we have this sort of boiling pit of desires. And, and if we hold them in, then eventually we'll burst. And so the, the right, we, we, we mustn't suppress them. We must let them out. Um, yes. I think you've got a, you've got a little bit of uh, sort of Marxism in there, in Marx's idea that, um, that, that history is about powerful peace, people oppressing um, weak people and and all of these moral laws are are really just a way of oppressing those who are weaker than we are and those are all mixed together but ultimately it's just actually it's just an expression of sin what the serpent said in the garden of eden is uh, god doesn't really have your best interests at heart if you ignore him and do what you really want to do then that'll make your life as it is but of course it's a lie right that that they because what they lost was infinitely greater than what they gained and um uh, you know, they they gained an apple and they lost the whole world <laughs> and they lost communion with God. And the, the, the same is true here, you know, that the um, this idea has grown that the only way we can be truly human is if we fulfill our sexual drive. But that is a disastrous doctrine that wreaks havoc with relationships and families Absolutely. and all over the place. And we can see that everywhere in our culture. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, um, one could even mention pornography as well, but perhaps we won't go there just just now on this. Um, but um, but who is behind this then? Um, talks about who's who's sort of involved and and who have you got backing it and so on, Matthew. <laughs> who's behind the declaration? Mm. As I say, we're, we're a group of pretty ordinary um, ministers and clergy and pastoral workers. Um, yeah who have just um, you know, got to know each other and discovered we kind of felt similarly on this. And 
decided that we should um, so a variety of denominations, a variety of church church traditions. Yeah, yeah um, we've got we've got Church of England, we've got I'm a Presbyterian, although there aren't many of us in England, lots in Scotland. Uh, we've got um we've got Baptists, we've got uh, Congregationalists, um, and um you know, people who aren't in any denomination at all. I mean that that's uh, so yeah, we've yeah. got we've got a pretty good variety and um uh, and I, I hope that as we collect signatures, we'll get more and more from because we, we designed the declaration that it's not it's not a partisan thing. It's not intended to be just sort of one denomination's view. We've 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 stated something that is just what Christians have always believed. And yes. I hope very much that, that any Christian really from any denomination who just yes. believes standard Christian teaching on this would be able to put their signature to it. And yes. it's probably worth mentioning that you can sign it whether you're in ministry or not. But we um yes. uh, basically there's two categories. There's those who are who are uh, pastors or in pastoral work um, and, yeah. uh, and then we want we, anyone else can add their support and it, it, it went live on tuesday i think didn't it and um you've already got something like 600 ministers as we speak notice now um yeah. signed up and another thousand or so other people who signed it as well mm -hmm. and uh, that's a fantastic start for just a few days um yeah. goodness yeah. Yeah. so congratulations yeah. on that's really good and um of course we'll be helping promote it as well through this and other ways as well so that's mm. really great to see. But part of the thing mentioning here, that we're going to do a, a live stream launch event on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday yeah. morning, 10.30 to 11.30. Um, uh, you can watch a live stream on, on the Greater Love website. And we'd love people to watch that and just get a little bit more of the background and why we're doing it. Brilliant. Yeah, great. So, but part of the other context in this, Matthew, is, is also the denominations becoming more liberal and accepting of same-sex relationships and so on. I think you've seen the church in Wales in particular allowing blessings of same-sex civil partnerships and marriages and the Church of England is going through this living and love of faith process and everybody's expecting some kind of change there as well and various other donations have have changed on this mm -hmm. how do you how do you see that developing and and progressing from here well I mean that's a that's a, a hard um, thing to say I don't think anyone any of us can know for sure what's going to happen in any given no. donation what I think we can yeah. be absolutely certain of is that I mean, false teaching has arisen in the church in every generation and right. in every generation it's the false teaching that passes away and it's the orthodox christian doctrine and gospel that carries on to the next generation so um i'm i'm very confident that in you know in 500 years time uh christian orthodoxy will be the same and whatever the false teaching of the day is will have changed and, and so uh, i don't know how that's going to work out for any individual uh, denomination. What I what we hope very much though is that this will be enormously encouraging to all of those in every denomination who, particularly particularly those in denominations where this is being fought over, to help yeah. us know that they're not not on their own and that, that they're not mad to think that we should stick with what Christians have always believed and what the Bible clearly teaches because it is just core Christianity. It's just yeah. Christ's love done consistently in homes, families, and bedrooms. Yeah, yeah. And um, I saw a really good chart just recently, maybe somebody could put it up there, about um, denominations. Um, and it's very striking because those groups of churches or denominations that have held out as opposed to same-sex marriage, they've grown and uh, on average. And those that have adopted or approved of same-sex marriage um, in some form or other have declined. In fact, no growing church has adopted same-sex marriage in the UK. Um, in terms of church groups like that so you know it's it's astonishing isn't it It kind of like you know once you depart from the gospel well people start to leave don't they and, you know where's the attraction of that then if you're just copying culture 
Yeah, which is so I think, I think it's an absolutely fascinating graph, and um, uh, I'm uh, I don't know whether I've seen it before um, today. So uh, thank you very much for that, Tim. Uh, I, I think it, it probably wouldn't be right to say that it, it's the adoption of same-sex marriage that's making people leave. It's more that mm. you can only buy into this whole way of thinking that is represented by LGBT, but actually is much wider than that in our culture. It, it, you, it, you can only buy into that if you have abandoned the Christian gospel a long time ago. And a big, a big part of what right. we're doing in the Love Declaration is to say there is this, yeah. there's this total continuity between, uh, between being someone who, who knows you've been saved by Christ laying down his life for you mm. and wanting to apply that when it comes to marriage, sex, identity, family. Um, and um, those two things are completely connected and you, you can't have one without the other. Um, and it, it's only if you you no longer actually think that the gospel is about God sent his son from heaven to redeem people lost in sin, uh, to rescue us from ourselves um, and to sacrifice himself, to die in our place in order to give us new life. Uh, if, if if you believe that, then you, you, of course that you'll you'll um, you'll be wanting to follow Christ's teaching on this because it's, that's just how it applies. Yeah, yeah, very good. So I just I just want to pick out some of the um, text of the um, of the Declaration, um, which I thought was very you know strong and and powerful wording actually, Matthew, really really good. Um, for example, Article Six says this: We will not accept that any perceived identities established by these beliefs justify departure from Christian teaching on marriage and sex. Mm -hmm. Talk mm -hmm. to us about how you understand what, what you're trying to guess out there. Yes, that, that's, that's very helpful. So um, it's also worth saying it's very, very important to say that um, the church is, is not about excluding people who fall short of God's commands. Um, Good point. Yeah. If it was, then, then none of us would be here. And actually, we make that point really clearly as well in, in the Declaration. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that, that that's really important. Um, mm. but, the, but part of the point here is, is that the, the whole idea that we are defined by our sexual desires or, or lusts, as former generations of Christians would have called them, uh, mm. that they kind of constitute our true identity. Uh, mm. That is something which is completely alien to, to, to Christianity. Um, and yeah. so uh, the, the way that the way that the morality of um, really the sexual revolution back in the 60s has worked out and LGBT is just one part of that really but it's it's a part that expresses it very clearly mm. uh, is to say that um, what your sexual desires are that defines you and because it defines you you must fulfill them and the moral imperative therefore is that everyone must be free to fulfill what their sexual desires are because if if, if they don't they can't be truly themselves they use this phrase core to my identity don't they it's core to yeah, my identity right. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, and what we want to say is that's a completely false way of understanding what it means to be human. We're not defined by our desires inside. We don't say that about any other desires that we have. You know, I'm not defined by, you know, what food I particularly long to eat. I'm not defined by uh, my feelings of, you know, happiness or sadness or, you know, I'm not, uh, I, we're not defined by feelings in anything any other way. And this, mm. it, it's a, it's a peculiar kind of religious conviction, really, of modern secularism to say that your sexual desires make you gay, lesbian, trans, and then all the other letters that, that come after it. And so the point we're making the declaration there is that um, God's requirements for us um, and God's plans and designs for us and the really good way he's made us 
um, it is not changed by these identities that people are taught that they have uh, or that they are. And uh, no, mm. we just want to say that those things just don't change what you're about. But what God says to us is we must be chaste people, which means either married to one person of the opposite sex or you must be and faithful within that or you must abstain completely. And both of those are really good and uh, and glorious things. Uh, and you can't throw that out the window because you say, oh, yes, but I have this different identity. So that means different rules apply. No, no, that's not how it works. And do you think that this is partly sort of attempt to people to define themselves? You know, you, you abandon God and say, this is who I am. I, I define myself as this kind of thing. I create myself. This is called who I am. I I make myself almost my God. I sort of create myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely right. And um, I've actually got a, a you didn't invite me to here to plug this, but I've got a book coming out in the new year, which is um, called Pride, Identity and the Worship of Self. Um, right. Because uh, because I, absolutely that's what it is. We're, we're a culture that has made self into our deity. Um, and just as all people in the world actually define themselves by the gods they worship, you know, which is why people name themselves by what religion they are. This is the god I worship. This is who I am. You know, And, and mm -hmm. um, uh, well, that's, that's actually a very similar thing. It's because we're a culture that has made self a deity uh, that we think that we we create ourselves who i am is defined by me you know and go and be yourself and look into your heart and find what's there and be your be your authentic you um mm. it, it's a it is fundamentally a religious conviction um which therefore gives you this gives people this sense of who they are but as christians we want to say it's just false like that's not the the, the self is not god the true yeah. god is the God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, who has revealed Himself in Christ, who, uh, who, uh, for whom Christ, uh, sorry, who sacrificed Himself in Christ in order to uh, to redeem and rescue us from all the false gods that we worship. So, absolutely, it's it's a it's a self worship religion, really. Um, Self-dissolution, in a sense. Um, yeah. But um, and, and also, this also explains why people get so upset when you criticise their identity or their perceived identity or their 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 um, own established, you know, self-identity in that sense, because um, it's like you're criticising their God. Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about that. And that's why, that's very much what we're seeing, really, is that um, to, to to deny the, the basic message of sexual self-fulfillment, which is what Christians do, it is, is a blasphemy now in our culture. And it's a blasphemy because it does say yourself is not the ultimate. Yourself is not the, the true deity. You... And uh, and you shouldn't be serving it. And and of course, of course, we say that because that's at the heart of the Christian gospel is to say you're not God. God is. Um, so it's one of the ironies is that these kind of pushes to ban conversion practices or therapy is um, uh, it it is pushing. It is trying to make it illegal to to ask people to convert to Christ mm. because. To convert mm. to Christ is asking is asking people to stop thinking that they're God and to accept yeah. Christ. And it takes you back right back to Garden of Eden, doesn't it? As well, that was the yeah. temptation of Satan, wasn't it? You know, you can be like God. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what about Article Eight, um, Matthew? Um, I love this um, sentence here um, on the Declaration. There are no circumstances, not the threat of legal sanction, nor of financial penalty, nor of social stigma which will cause us to abandon our Lord's call to love in this way, in sexual matters as in all others. And therefore, 
there are no circumstances which will cause us to abandon the Christian doctrine of marriage, not to cease teaching it to all people of every age. That's a very strong statement there, Matthew. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we felt that was a really important thing to put across because, um, again, the, well, maybe this introduces a new thing, actually, um, in that one of the things that we've really discovered, and I'm sure you're both familiar with this, Tim, is just, just the levels of ignorance that there are in society at large, but, but also in governments about just what it is that Christians believe. And I think there's a very widespread assumption that the only reason that there are some Christians who still believe what you know, the old things about marriage and singleness and celibacy is, is because they're, they're backwards and they're probably bigots, you know, and, that, that, and that's all, the, that's the only possible reason. Um, and one of the, the sort of really core messages we're trying to get across are, well, <laughs> that is not the reason. We're, we're driven by love. We're driven by wanting to do what is best for people. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that the basic Christian message that don't go out to fulfill your sex drive, deny it for the sake of others and uh, submit it to the what is best for other people but we're not going to we're not going to give up on that because that is absolutely core to christianity in every way um yeah. and uh, and then we wanted to kind of make it really clear to be uh, to to people or anyone who's listening really that because this is so integral to christianity uh, it's not something that you can ask us just to just to kind of wave away as if it's just kind of uh, you know christianity is a good thing but here's a little bit oh, some christians are a bit odd on this when they like that yeah. Uh, no, if you ask us to give up on this, you are asking us to abandon our Lord and the core of his teaching towards us, what he's done for us and what he now uh, asks of us and equips us to do, which is self-sacrifice. Right? We're, 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 that's what we're going to do. And uh, we're going to teach it. We're going we're gonna to try and model it and we'll fail because we're sinners. But that's, of course, what we're going to do, because that's what Christ is all about. And, and, um, and you're prepared to pay a price for it is also... Um, what you're saying here, isn't it? You know, wh whatever legal sanction it might be, whatever financial penalty it might be, whatever social stigma it might be, and increasingly there is social stigma on these views. Yeah, um, yeah. And people, yeah, as you, you're well aware, Matthew, you know, we've we've got multiple cases at Christian Concern of people who've lost their jobs for simply stating, you know, chastity outside marriage, effectively, right? Simply yeah. stating a basic biblical Christian sexual morality is yeah. the right thing. Um, yeah. Like Felix de Gaulle got expelled from university for that, right? And 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 um, yeah, various other teachers have have run into problems for that and so on, just for stating that on social media or somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then then you know currently in UK society you can lose your job for that. Yeah. That's a price to pay, isn't it? Absolutely. And um, and one of the things that uh, that I've been concerned about, and and lots of my fellow pastors have been concerned about, is that we're we're starting to see this happen in our churches and students being thrown off their courses you, you mentioned one case just then and, and uh, people yeah lo losing jobs or certainly feeling a very strong threat that they might do um and yeah, it seems not at all right if christian ministers are the only ones who are not in danger of losing their jobs um it seems to me that, that we need to be the ones who are willing to stand up more m most normal christians now find it in incredibly hard to stand up and and quite possibly you know in some real sense and need of course we've got to be faithful to christ but but may need to keep their heads down and those of us who are privileged to be working for the church and you know working for employers who won't fire us if we're faithful here need to be willing to put our heads above the parapet and say um yeah that that's very much what we want to do and who knows what what the what the implication will be but you know it, it's always better to serve christ and his ways are, are just better 
Um, I think there's another aspect to it, which is that, um, that it's not just that we want to do what is right because we want to do what's right. It, it's we want to do what's right because it is good for the nation. It's an absolute tragedy to see just what this ideology of uh, sexual self-fulfillment is doing, what it's doing to our children, um, what it's doing to the families in this country, which of course then affects loads more children. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and just how it, it, it just ruins lives. It ruins lives in every way. And the part mm. of the glory of God's design of marriage is that, yeah, it's hard, it's challenging. It requires lots of self-sacrifice, but but it's just good. It's really, really good for people. And it, it mm. is great for children. There are endless studies that show well, that. Well, that that's, that's, I was going to come on to that point, Matthew. So, because um, yeah. there is a really helpful theological background tab on the website there. You've got it quite a long, but good and detailed and readable um, theological background to the statement and yeah. you you say a lot you plural um, about the benefits of marriage for society mm -hmm. and the consequence of not honoring marriage for society yeah. and um, and a lot of it is of course the impact on children um, mm -hmm. there which is massive of course you know in all sorts of ways yeah 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 absolutely yeah. and the, the, the irony is it's not it's not hard to see this in practice actually um it, it's funny isn't it that we as a culture we're actually seeing problems of um male sexual exploitation of women growing dramatically and terribly um and people sort of treat it as if that is um if it is if it, as if it's a surprise that that's happening or, or even as if that that's kind of a hangover from some former age um but it's not at all it's a direct result if you teach children in schools as now all children are taught um that uh that who they are is defined by their sexual feelings and that they must everyone must be allowed to fulfill their sexual feelings but the awful truth but it's a massive and undeniable one is that there are an awful lot of men for whom what that means is, is they want to abuse women, right? And, yeah. uh, and and if you teach children that, you're going to send up, a, have a lot of young men who go into the world thinking, well, the way to really be myself is to um, is to seduce or abuse or well, the whole as many women as I want, right? And that, uh, of course, that's happening. You know, that is yeah. uh, that, that's a direct result of this basic, this same doctrine of you must fulfill your sexual desires. Right? It's an appalling thing to teach, and it leads to terrible suffering. And lots of broken relationships, lots of broken families. I think the Relationships Foundation latest study found that the cost of family breakdown um, to the UK taxpayer is like fifty billion pounds a year, which is, yeah. I think, something like one thousand eight hundred pounds per person per taxpayer per year. Yeah. From just from family break that's all the, all the all the various consequences if you're a teacher in a school you'll be very aware of the cost of family breakdown on children um today um because it's so prevalent and you see it in so many ways um and of course you can see what happens can't you again if you've been taught this same thing this doctrine that who you are you must fulfill who you are and who you are is defined by how you feel about romance and sex and everything else then uh you know what as in every as in, as in every marriage you know when you get to a you know a, a bumpy bit where it's a little bit hard um, or you start to feel slightly cold feet or whatever, then what, what are you going to do? You think, well, I have to get out of this. I've got to fulfill myself. And that basic selfishness then corrodes and destroys. Do whatever makes you feel happy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And then all with all the awful knock-on effects for 
abandoned spouses and for children who now have separated parents and um, and many more children who never know more than one of their parents and yeah yes, not to mention all the children who never see the light of day at all yeah 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 and and there's another uh, bit of that um of that theological background that struck me just let me read this on on identities again uh, christianity mm-hmm. does not cut and dice humanity into an array of sexualities and genders in imagining these as internal realities that odd to the natural design of an individual's body rather it understands us all as a united body and soul made simply male or female designed for chastity abstinence singleness and for many faithful marriage to one person of the opposite sex until parted by death mm-hmm. um there's a very strongly well and carefully worded statement there um again about the the, the various identities and uh the nature of humanity and you know, the way we're designed in a sense yeah so again is another place i think where christianity is actually in a wonderful breath of fresh air um in the world that we're now in uh, in that we we do have a situation where because of this teaching that your identity is defined by your feelings and you must mm. open it that um we've ended up with this idea that we that, that there's an endless division of humanity into these different groups and you can only really identify people who are like you um which might have looked like it made sense when you know people were saying well you know there are straight people and there are gay people um but as that list of letters has gone on and has got more and more what we realize is that human sexual instincts aren't like that sin has corrupted us and so that there's there's a million different ways that people experience sexual desire and if you if you go with this basic doctrine of um uh, of what it of, of, of who you are of what identity is you end up basically slicing us into all these different groups there are the trans people and then there are the cis people and there are the uh, the, the straight people, but not just the gay. And there's now actually, I mean, the, the number of different um, uh, orientations, uh, depending on who you ask, but I mean, it's in the dozens and the number of different gender identities were well, one famously, the uh, BBC once said there were over a hundred. Um, and, uh, and of course, it, this is- it, Well, the, the thing about that is, is that is all quite amusing, isn't it, um, Matthew? Because of course it was originally LGBT and then it, it expanded and expanded. And then, you know, Facebook, I think got to 70, identities and then abandoned all hope and decided to make it you know it's unlimited you can and at that point straight back to defining yourself again doesn't it you know okay you yeah. just define who you are we're not going to put you in a castle you define who you are because you're deciding who you, you know it's you are your god again isn't it you know and and it, it is it is funny apart from that it's so tragic because if yeah. you if you present this doctrine to um impressionable children and tell them, you know, no one's going to tell you who you are. You've got to work it out for yourself. That that is a crushing weight that children just can't handle, um, yeah. and it leads to immeasurable confusion. And well, one of the things that is a well-known thing of what's going on right now amongst our young people is the massive growth in uh, in mental health issues. I'm not saying this is the sole cause of that, but it it certainly is part of it. What mm. children need to know is not go and decide what you are, but to be told this is what you are and this is how you live it out. And it's mm. a wonderful mm. bit of good news to say God made us male and female. That's all there is to it. And we're not, we're, uh, this is another aspect I think that you um, read out that I haven't mentioned yet. We're, we're not fundamentally divided between body and soul so mm. that your identity has got nothing to do with your physical reality, um, mm. which of course, I mean, that's really obviously transgender, you know, that, oh, I'm a, yes. Man but actually that, that problem is there with the whole LGBT thing of basically saying 
um, that the, the design and function of my body is somehow at odds with my identity as a gay man or as a lesbian woman or any of the other identities. Uh, no, that there isn't that di division and distinction. What you are is one person, male or female, man or woman, designed in the image of God. And that's a wonderful bit of good news. Uh, mm. And I think it's a great mm. relief that we, we want to teach that to people. We want to claim that and say, you don't and, need to spend hours agonizing over what you are. And you can make peace with your creator who made you that way and, and have a relationship yeah. with your creator who made you that way and, and seek yeah. guidance and seek to be guided by and, and obey your creator, yeah. which is obviously the best and, way to live. I mean, there's massive significance to the body in the Bible, isn't there? That the, mm. Um, mm. What you are as a man or a woman points uh, points to the glory of the gospel. I've just just before I was on, on air, I was just writing a sermon for a um, wedding I'm preaching at tomorrow. Um, and it, it's, it's a wonderful thing because one of the mm. things Paul says in Ephesians where I'm preaching from is, uh, you know, what, what you are as a man or a woman, whether you're married or not, itself directs you straight to what the mm. gospel is. If you're mm. a man, then that, that is there to teach you something about what Christ did for the church. If you're a woman, it's there to, to teach you something about the way the church is supposed to love Christ. And both mm. of those things point to the fact that there is a great day coming when there is one massive marriage at the end of history. And, uh, mm. that's where everything's going and so you who we mm. are means something and it has purpose and significance it it's not mm. just something that we pops out of our heart and we've got to try and work it out just sort of mm. whatever this fucking nonsense is mm. and put a shape on it fantastic so so matthew what do you um want to achieve or hope to achieve through this declaration uh, yeah that's you, a great question you crawl, that kind of thing but anyway i'm asking you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yeah, that's, that's a very great question i think um uh, th three three obvious things um uh, one is is i hope that it will encourage we hope that it will encourage christians both pastors and normal christians um to be able to stand firm um and uh obviously there's the immediate thing of well if if this anti-conversion legislation uh does end up hitting the statute books and we do have a situation where pastors are being uh, criminalized and possibly imprisoned simply for preaching the Christian gospel. It'll be a lot easier to do that if there's several thousand of us who are committed to doing the same. So, um, uh, so that that is um, that is one thing that I think is really important. I, I hope that will also be true for those who aren't pastors and they read it and think, do you know what? I'm I'm willing to stand for this as well. Um, mm. Particularly, yeah. I think we want to we want to encourage the church to stand up. That's number one. Number two is we really hope it'll help Christians just to 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 know how to uh, explain to others and understand for themselves just why Christian teaching is good. I think loads of Christians have a sort of nagging suspicion that I know this is right, but I'm not sure it's good. Um, no. And uh, I think loads of Christians feel that because they um, because we're just told that all the time and we're told all the time it's incredibly cruel and nasty to tell people they can't be who they truly are. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, and so we hope that it'll be a massive encouragement to all Christians to be able to uh, to, to read this declaration and maybe read through the, uh, the, the background theology that we've provided as well and just be uh, equipped to say, yeah, I can see more clearly now why God's word is good. Uh, and why this is the right way to live. And what's more, I may be able to explain to my boss or to my family or to whoever why it is that we hold this. So that's the second reason. And then the third reason is, I think, to, to deal with the, just the level of ignorance that there is amongst um, those in authority over Christians. And we really hope that one effect will be that governments and officials in governments who are 
looking at drawing up this legislation will read this and think, okay, firstly, we probably don't want to make, you know, multiple thousands of ministers uh, into criminals. That seems like that'd not be a good thing to do. Um, but also, secondly, to actually just to see that we we believe these things for very, very good reasons. Um, and we hope that that might have an effect that makes it less likely that we'll be criminalised. Who knows on that? I mean, Christ was much better than we are and he was still crucified. So we don't know what people will do to us, but that's in his hands, not in ours. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listen, Matthew, I think it's a great initiative. Um, <clears throat> I've signed it myself. And um, I'll encourage other people to sign it as well. And especially if you're a church leader to sign it, um, graceoflove.org.uk. It is. And you've got the launch event. Just remind us about that again on Tuesday coming. It's coming Tuesday. It's 10.30 to 11.30 in London. I'm afraid it's it's it's, um, it's not open to come to, but it is live streamed. Um, uh, right. So we um, uh, we would love you to watch it. You can watch it on our website. There's a live stream link there. Um, which you'll be able to see. And then we'll, we'll go through kind of more of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then the third thing to mention, if you don't mind, Tim, is that um, we're also putting on a conference in November where we're going to particularly look at um, look at that the harm that a false view of love does and the good that a, a true Christian view of love does. Um, and that's going to be in London on the 16th of November. And that is open to, to anyone. We obviously really encourage ministers to come and others in pastoral work, but actually it's open to all Christians to come and um, well, in fact, anyone else who don't have to be Christians to come. Um, Wednesday, Wednesday, the 16th of November, isn't it, in London? Yeah. Wednesday, 16th of November. Again, the details on the website and you can book through there. Um, we'd love to have uh, lots and lots of people there. Great. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for being part of this great initiative. And we look forward to seeing the numbers grow on the signatures there. And uh, thank you for listening and watching. Um, if you're following us and uh, do follow us on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. It's been a pleasure to be with you.